Good morning and welcome to the Jesuit Institute Hour here on Radio Veritas. My name is Frances Correa and I'm going to be with you for the next hour. We have an exciting lineup today. For those of you who keep track of major anniversaries in the church, you may know that this week, uh, on the 26th of March, we celebrated 50 years since the publication of Populorum Progressio. This was an encyclical of Pope Paul VI and roughly translates to the progress or the development of the peoples. And it's a brilliant uh, exposition by the Pope of Catholic social teaching. It really draws on Rerum Novarum and earlier works, but also kind of lays out some of Catholic social teaching in a very clear way. And what was striking to me when I read it again recently was the sense that it could have been written yesterday. There was really a sense of it just being something... Um, really speaking to our own time as much as it may have spoken to the context of 1967 when it was published. So we'll spend the first part of the show. We're going to have a, a, a conversation with Father Russell Pollitt from the Jesuit Institute, and he and I will be talking about Populorum Progressio and just kind of teasing out some of its relevance to us today in South Africa. Then in the second part of the show, We'll be having a little bit of time with Father Anthony Egan. Uh, as many of you know, Anthony's first doctorate was in um, struggle history, in South African struggle history. And so we're going to be talking to him about Ahmed Katrada and the contribution of Ahmed Katrada to South Africa um, in the struggle history, but also now in the in the time after the fall of apartheid, his contribution through the Katrada Foundation to to what's happening in the world today. Um, so those will be the two kind of key things of the show today. So what I'd like to do now is to turn to Father Russell Pollitt and the interview with Father Russell Pollitt. So we're going to be talking together about Populorum Progressio. Welcome to Radio Veritas, Father Russell. Thank you very much. Nice to have you with us. So it's 50 years since Populorum Progressio was um, published by the Pope, Pope Paul VI. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about Pope Paul VI and his context and, and why he wrote this particular encyclical? Well, Pope Paul VI is a very interesting character because he took over really towards the end of the Second Vatican Council. He became Pope in 1963. The Vatican Council ended in 65. John XXIII was his predecessor, and he had called the Vatican Council. And uh, he died, as we know, and then, uh, you know, Paul VI came in. He had been the Archbishop of, Mil of Milan since 1954. So he had had time as a pastor in a world, of course, in the 60s, which was really in turmoil in many different ways. Um, he did away with all the papal splendor. The papal tiara, for example, was something that he got rid of. But he was also the Pope who wrote Humane Vitae, which is very interesting because he wrote Populorum Progressium in 1967, Humane Vitae in 1968. He died in 78, and he never wrote anything else, although he'd been pretty prolific between uh, 1963 and 1968. He never wrote anything else after Humane Vitae, which is very, very interesting. So he was a Pope who was in touch with people because he was the Archbishop of Milan. He, he is a bit like Pope Francis in the sense that he had the experience of being with people. He wasn't he was not uh, like uh, Pope John Paul II or Benedict XVI, very short pastoral experience. This man had 
a much longer uh, mm. pastoral experience. And things that were happening in the world really impacted on him. And he was worried about uh, the economy and the poor. He said he wrote this encyclical because he saw the growing gap between the rich and the poor. And he felt that something needed to be said. There was a big gap there. Mm. So that's the man who's behind this encyclical. Fascinating character to read all, thing, uh, all sorts of things about. But he puts out this encyclical on the 26th of March, 1967, the development of peoples, uh, popularum progressio, or the progress uh, of the peoples. And what he does is he touches on a number of different Catholic social teaching uh, points. He he's not the one who constructs Catholic social teaching, but he certainly draws out some very very important things. He speaks about uh, the right to a just wage, which we first read about in I think it was Pope Leo Novarum. the Great and Rerum Novarum. He speaks about the security of employment, fair and reasonable working conditions, the right to join unions, and the universal destination of resources. And goods, mm -hmm. which is very much part of the conversation that we are having uh, these days. And so, as far as I can see, this encyclical is really two parts. The first part is about humanity's complete development. How do we, uh, you know, develop humanity, but also the common development of humanity. That it's not just about the development of individuals, but the common development mm -hmm. of uh, uh, humanity. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of struck one of his titles, you know, one of the, the, the various titles as you read through the document, some of them really ringing uh, in my ears as being quite pertinent to our present situation, the common good, for instance, coming up. And, and in that, he really talks about land re redistribution of land, which is quite an interesting topic for South Africans at the moment, but also care of the stranger, um, the widening gap between rich and poor, the effects of colonization. This is a document that I mean, it's it's striking to read it. It does not feel very. Certainly, the first half does not feel dated. It feels amazingly current. One finds it so often with Catholic social teaching that you know the things that popes have said in encyclicals are things that could have been written yesterday yeah. for the world today. So even though this was written in 1967, you're absolutely right. If one looks at so many things in that doc, I skirted that document last week just before uh, its anniversary and I was amazed. I mean, one of the first things that popped out to me was the question of colonialism. We'd had this tweet in the days before by mm -hmm. Helen Ziller about colonialism. The Pope says this, he says that, you know, colonialism has led to technological advances, but, and this is the important part, that they are often for self-seeking activities. And he even says that missionary work to spread the gospel, though charitable, sometimes also had this sort of underlying mm. uh, self-seeking thing that was going on. And he says, we engaged in, for example, cultural imposition. Hmm. Yeah. This is very interesting. I mean, this is exactly what we've been debating in this country for the last uh, for the last couple of weeks. And I'm often surprised why, you know, someone uh, approached me and said, let's have a, you know, a discussion about alternative economic models. And I was thinking to myself, why are we looking for alternatives when people like the popes, like Paul VI, have already almost done the groundwork for us? to put these alternatives into place. Pope Francis takes a number of things that have been written in this tradition, 
whether it's Rerum Novarum, Populorum Progressio, uh, Mater et Magistra, he's taken those things and he's drawn on them in Laudato Si. Laudato Si, the first 20, 30 paragraphs, deals with environment. The rest of that document is about human relationships. It's about industrialization. It's about economy. He talks about an economy that kills. This is not stuff that Pope Francis is making up. This is stuff that's coming from the tradition of the church. So when we start to talk about the tradition of the church, we're talking about building on, on these things which are already here for us. And I'm surprised in South Africa today that nobody in the church has called, for example, a conference on Catholic social teaching to look at just what Catholic social teaching says. It gives us many avenues to explore if we want to deal with a lot of the current problems we face in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was really what was, what was striking me was that sense of wisdom written from a different context and a different time that is still applicable to our own situation. When I was reading through it, one of the things that kind of just struck me, given that I, coming into to the office this morning, I was listening to the news brief about Zuma calling for land reform and rethinking land reform. And sitting in there, there's a, a lovely paragraph all around, you know, when we see that individuals hold too much land, the Pope says, we should be thinking about land reform. We should be thinking about redistributing that land. And and they're kind of real, a kind of a, there is a... a, a, a not a, a fearless attack, really, on some of the tenets of capitalism and uh, um, as he gets into this, that, that just the production of wealth for its own sake is not a viable moral stance. Exactly. I mean, he's very clear on, 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 on these issues. I mean, Paul VI in this, in this encyclical really sees, you know, production, industrialization in the title the progress of peoples. As soon as this is just for the progress of some, he sees a violation there. Mm. And private ownership of land, for example, would be something where people are just amassing this. He would see as a violation when some people don't have anywhere uh, to live. And so he says things, for example, that it's unfortunate that on these new conditions, a society and a system has been constructed which considers profit as the key motive for economic progress, yeah. competition, as the supreme law of economics and private ownership of means of production as an absolute right that has no limits and carries no corresponding social obligation. He goes on to say, this unchecked liberalism leads to a dictatorship. And aren't we talking about that? I mean, isn't Pope Francis talking about that? How kind of those with capital, those with money, those who, who are owners are really dictators of the direction in mm. which we are moving, in which society is moving. Mm. And those who don't have these means are simply just being, you know, left out, dragged along or, or whatever the case is. I mean, those words, you know, one could almost say these are out of the manifesto, dare I say it, of something like the EFF today. Yeah. You know, and this is, this is coming from the Pope, you know, who's recognizing that if we do not have an equitable distribution of goods, if we do not see the power that we have economically as owners of business, of property, whatever else, the power that we have is to empower others rather than simply to carry on empowering ourselves, we land up with a social catastrophe. Which is what we're seeing currently. Another, another kind of element of that that speaks for me into the South African situation, he talks about the conflict that industrialization and 
the the kind of culture of the West bring to indigenous cultures. And the I'm just going to quote here. Mm. He, he talks about um, a tragic dilemma, whether to preserve traditional beliefs and structures and reject social progress or to embrace foreign technology and foreign culture and reject ancestral traditions with their wealth of humanism. And I think that's a very important kind of line, that, that sense of rejecting a wealth of humanism. Uh, and then the sad fact is that we see the older moral, spiritual, and religious values giving way without finding any place in the new scheme of things. Mm. And I just, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that kind of, there he is now 50 years ago, really talking already about seeing the kind of moral decay that we talk about in our society at the moment, where we're, we're saying that we've, people have lost a sense of, of being rooted in their traditional belief systems. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I kind of think, uh, we were talking about this recently, you know, do we want to replace kind of the morality of the tweet with the deeper encounters that humans have had for generations in traditional settings? And just some thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, that's why he points to those two developments, I think, you know, the development of, of, of humanity and then development, the common development of people. You know, mm. and I think this is this is a, a way of of framing that or understanding that as well. That the Pope uh, Paul the is saying, look, we can't industrialization brings maybe a means of doing things, brings technology, but there's a whole side, there's a there's a there's a human element that's left. So if we're going to talk about the the progress of peoples, we need to see the person holistically. We need to see the whole human person, and often things like industrialization do not see the whole human person. Mm. They see people, industrialists see people as a means to producing something. And you're only good in as far as you can produce what they want you to produce. And that's your value. And the Pope is saying, this is, this is a completely skewed way of looking at humanity. What I want you to do is I want you to see the whole person and part of the whole person is their ability to produce. But it is the whole person, the integral uh, progression of the person that we need to to take uh, that we need to uh, take cognizance of, and that's why as well. I mean, he talks about three levels almost in that document. He talks about first of all material necessities, you know, uh, social peace, education, refinement, culture, etc., etc., etc. Then he speaks about. The second level is the awareness of human dignity, uh, spirit of poverty, the, the common good, the desire for peace. Uh, that's the second level. And then he talks about a third level where he says sharing in God's life. And we have to be aware of the human person on all those uh, sorts of levels if, if we're going to talk about you know, the progress of humanity towards some sort of uh, common good, common goal. So, yeah, there again, you, you know, the, the question of the whole, and we talk about that even in the education sector in this country. I mean, how often aren't we involved in debates about, uh, you know, are we just simply putting knowledge into kids' heads or are we developing human beings? Because sending children to school to just pour knowledge into their heads is not developing a human being. You know, that's making them almost, you know, just the, 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 the sort of slave of what's been put into their heads. We, we need to look at the holistic development. And I, and I think uh, that's where these documents of the church and this one is just so rich. It's mm -hmm. reminding us. Uh, you know, that we, when we talk about these principles, we're talking about human beings made in the image and likeness of God, and everything flows from that. I have to say, the first thing is read it. Read the document. Take the doc There's many summaries of these documents. You know, they're not difficult to read, these social encyclicals. Go and read the document. 
and keep it next to your daily newspaper. When, when you read the stories of things that are happening in our South African society, not just in terms of government, but in terms of the corporate sector and the way the corporate sector is behaving, compare it to what this document says. You know, we often, for example, hear about, um, South Africa is uh, sitting on a social time bomb that's ticking away, you know, because eventually poor people get so frustrated. We've seen these outbursts already. You know, Pope Francis talks about the world already being at war. There's not one big war. There's these small wars happening all over. Mm. And in a sense, in South African society, we're seeing this. I mean, there's these, there's these daily protests. I mean, last year, there were more uh, service delivery protests in this country than what there are days of the year. So if there are 362 days in the year, or 352, um, the, you know, we, we were seeing more service protests. Well, Pope Paul is saying when people are are, are negated of, of these basic things, you know, he's saying that a revolution might be a good thing to have. I mean, he says that in that document, it might be a legitimate in extreme cases, is the exact words that he uses. You know, so look at this document with with your daily newspaper, read this document, you know, think about yourself and your attitude towards material possessions, towards people who, who are on the on the side of the street, the beggars at the at the traffic lights, you know. Think about even the way that you view education, you know. Think about the way that your faith is calling you into some sort of social action. Because that's what this document is all about. That's what the Catholic social teaching, the body of it is all about, spurring us into action. And I think that a great, and this would be another call I'd make to listeners, is, you know, make yourself aware of of these, you know, action's not just about doing, you know, good things, not just about giving up sweets in, in Lent. It's about really getting involved in the issues of the day. So those Catholics who are in big business, you know, if you work for a bank or you work for a big corporate, this social teaching should be guiding the way that you do things in your daily life as well. In parishes, let's make people aware of this. Let's run workshops on uh, Populorum Progressio, on Laudato Si, uh, you know, on, on Rerum Novarum. Let's, let's, let's be talking about these things. In our confirmation classes, we teach kids about the sacraments and we teach them about all sorts of things. Are we really teaching them about the social teaching of the church? You know, we're not. You know, yeah. we're not. Let's, let's do that. So I think there are many different things that we can do to highlight uh, th- these things. And, and even ask the, the, the difficult questions that we need to be asking, you know, of the church. Is the church living out this document in the way that we do things in our parishes? You know, if father is driving around in a fancy big car and living, you know, a high life and he's working in a community where we know people are struggling, these documents are meant to challenge us there as well. You know, so I think there's many, many ways that we can live out uh, these these encyclicals uh, and and make them part of our daily life because they are, as you noted right in the beginning, they are just so alive for us today as what they were in 1967. Well, thank you very much, Father Russell. And we look forward to meeting you again. Thank you.